Hello, my name is Morgan Gray, and welcome back to the Afrocentric Podcast. Who let the dogs out? was nice, the party was pumping. And everybody having a ball. Until the fellas started in calling. And the girls respond to the call. I have a pool and shout out. Who let the dogs out? 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 I see the dance we don't funk with racism we don't funk with people who don't support the lgbtq plus community and baby we damn sure don't funk with anybody who don't love a beautiful black queen baby you see this tape you don't let nobody act black and then go home and be white it only takes a little bit of white brainwash to activate the cool chip in the average Negro. And a lot of white folk have demonstrated eloquently that they don't have no sense. And we are back with the Afrocentric Podcast. Um, Morgan Gray is in the motherfucking building and I got my evil twin with me. Say what's up? What's up, what's up? Yeah, we got Mr. Jagos. Aaron Jagos is in the motherfucking building. Today, we're going to be talking about the wet dog smell. And I'm really excited because in this episode, we are going to be discussing why people of the Caucasian persuasion um, smell a little sour. And... It's summertime, and I just wanted to do this real quick before the summer equinox, before the temperatures get to rising. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to do a little PSA, give a little background, a little history. But my argument for this topic really is that white people have stunk generationally, and I'm going to prove it historically. And then we're going to talk about some of the scientific evidence that supports the data. And before we get into this topic, I just want to say that not all white people think. Most of them do, though. <laughs> not all, especially in the rain. Um, so, yeah. Welcome to Freestyle 18 Wet Dog. So it was two days after Thanksgiving, and this girl from Tinder hit me up, and she's like, come over. And of course I did. So I'm sitting there. She invites me over. She sits me down on this oversized bean bag that she had. First red flag. Then she was like, hey, what's up? Okay, so mind you, dude, like I said, it was like a day or two after Thanksgiving. So I'm eating Thanksgiving leftovers, and I'm having Thanksgiving leftover farts and everything. I mean, it's bad. So I get to her house. I'm laying on the bean bag. She starts topping me up. And then I'm like, okay, this is normal. This is cool. And I start pushing on her head. Come on, baby. Let's go deeper. And she goes like this, takes my hands, bah, bah. And she goes, that's the funny thing about guys. Grabs my legs. They always think they're in control. And fucking throws my legs. I mean, I'm telling you like this. She was like, and I was like, ma'am, ma'am, what are we doing? And she just started eating my fucking ass, bro. Just going to town on that shit. And I didn't shower. I mean, nothing, man. And I'm telling you, that was probably the kinkiest experience I ever had. Anyways. So we start this journey of the historic hygiene of the hueless humans in ancient Europe. Yes. I just want to start off by saying that hygiene practices in ancient Greece and ancient Rome, those people were known for their love of cleanliness, and they often used natural ingredients, something like olive oil. They used sand to clean their bodies. 
You see, I didn't mention nothing about no washcloth. I mean, you know, the sand could, you know, scrub it a little bit. Yeah, there's like a sea salt scrub. That's cute. Yeah. So they also had public bathhouses. And this was a way to socialize and maintain hygiene. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to bring this topic up because there's also something that holds true for those of Russian descent. So people of Russian descent often went to bath houses because you know it's cold in russia that yes this is why they have less melanin in their skin because of the uh the environment like a sun yeah so it's cold so they would go to the bath houses and they 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 i mean maybe they took a bath maybe not but it was really there to sit there and talk yeah, they really just sat and water. told stories yeah. tall tales yeah, that's what they did. So they were socializing and such. But I just wanted to point out that really the role of the bathhouses in ancient European societies, they was in an important part of these societies. And they were seen, like I said, as places to be able to socialize and relax. You see, I didn't mention not a bar soap, no. nothing, no, nothing, no rubber ducky. Just, just social interaction. Yes, and they was used for religious ceremonies and heating rituals. Mm. Yeah, so that that's that's a little information about you know the the Romans and the, the Greeks and the, and the yeah. uh huh all that. Now we beautiful bathhouses. Yes, for not taking baths. <laughs> so now we are gonna move forward a couple hundred years, and we here at the Middle Ages, and. I really wanted to place an emphasis on the church during this time period because the church really had a played a large role on the influence of hygiene practices. So the church discouraged bathing. Discouraged. Yeah, they said stop this shit. <laughs> Because of the, of the hygiene practices, and they they said if you bathe too much, you focusing too much on the body. What, what wasn't that a the phrase? Like cleanliness is close to God. That's, that's the nigga God. This is the <laughs> European God. Because okay. the European God is that it was a sin to focus too much on the body. So they was like, you know, ashes to ashes, dirt to dirt. You come from dirt, keep the dirt on your body. On. Yeah, so that was how they believed. And that really... Come as you are. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I still think that was the nigga God, but that's close enough. <laughs> now, we are back in the Middle Ages. I wanted to talk about the Black Death. You, you've heard of the yeah, Black Death. The plague. Yeah, the plague. Yeah. Yeah. The rats and, and such. The rats and, and the fleas. Uh-huh, where the green grass died all around and around. Yeah, everybody died. Yeah, the Black Death. Yeah. So, you got to understand that because of the lack of hygiene and sanitation within Europe during this time, almost caused the Black Death. Right. Okay. So for the niggas in the back that don't know, the Black Death was a devastating pandemic that swept across Europe in like the mid-14th century, and it killed about 25 million white people, and um, that is also equivalent to a third of their population just wiped them out. White people problem, right? Yeah. Real, real, real. Mm -hmm. So, um, this disease was really created by a bacteria called uh, Yersinia pestis, and uh, it was transmitted by the fleas that lived on the backs of the rats mm -hmm. and such. Okay, mm -hmm. the question is, is why did they have rats? They, they had, you know, garbage and shit in the street. They did. They didn't, they didn't clean the streets right. Well, superstition. So the church also deemed it that. Um, Cats were immoral. Right. They, you know, and they got rid of the cats. They killed the cats, so which couldn't cause the, the rise yeah. is in the rat population during that time. That's period. how nature worked most of the time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the disease really spread very rapidly because of their living environment. Because, like you were talking about, they lived so fucking close together. They had poor sanitation practices at mm. the time and it really impacted European society and to the point where like it was real bad like with all these people dead there were not enough people within the country to be able to replace those jobs and it really hindered their society in mm. several ways so essentially when the Black Death had first arrived in Europe this was the year of um, Day Lord 13th 
47, a group of Mongol warriors, and y'all know the Mongols, they Asian, they right. Asianic, the Mongols were a nomadic group of warriors, yeah. and they believed to kill first, ask questions later, and they took your money and made you they bitch. The Mongols are lit for the niggas that don't know, <laughs> okay? So, they went into, like, the modern part of Ukraine, it's called Kifa. And they uh, were struck by the disease. And then the Mongols ended up capitating the bodies of their dead soldiers. And they threw them over the cities of the wall. And their hope was to be able to spread the disease through to their enemies. And it was <laughs> very successful. <laughs> and the disease spread it quickly throughout the city. So from Kaffa the disease spread it crazy like through Europe and it ended up reaching Scandinavia, uh -huh. Russia, and the British Isles. Mm -hmm. And of course it was highly contagious and it spread in those areas where the rats were common, um, such as like in ports and in big densely populated cities. And the disease kind of took hold of the community. And because of their close living conditions, and like they really was, they were shitting in buckets and throwing the, throwing, shit, out throwing the, the shit out the window. Like the street. barbaric, uncivilized. I mean, we didn't have, they didn't have very good sanitation pro uh, processes back then. Holla if you're heathen, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. And they they spread them everywhere. They, it was real nasty. It was real bad. And it really impacted the cities, like, in long term as well as in short term. So, in short term, the disease called a widespread panic on um, social destruction. The people struggled to cope with the scale of the epidemic. But in the long term, the Black Death had a major impact on the demographic and the economics of the country. I just wanted to say that... Um, during the Black Death, um, which was indeed very devastating pandemic, real sad. The paper was real sad. Mm -hmm. um, it was caused by hygiene and sanitation and sanitation practices because that shit was really poor. Ooh. And I just want to say that Europe, the only person that had that fucking problem. Yeah, most definitely. You ain't never heard of no African countries going through no shit like that. Because if we stayed together, we, you know, everybody had their own separate, you know, little spot. Them but. niggas had outhouses back then. Them niggas had, they was way more advanced. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's, that's them. That's the, first, the second generation of nasty white people. What would our ancestors do? Okay. I'll give you a situation, and you tell me what would our ancestors have done. Sure. Okay. You ready? Yeah. They're about to do a poop on the ground. There's no toilet paper. What would our ancestors do? Well, I do this every day. You poop on the ground? Well, I do the equivalent of that. Sometimes it's on the ground. If I'm out here at Liver King Ranch, why would I waste my poop down a toilet? When you can eat it. When you don't consume all that worthless fiber, your poops come out perfect, crispy, hard. You know, you don't have to waste time wiping it. So you're good to go. So you don't wipe. No need to. What's next? You don't wipe your butt after you poop. Every once in a while, just for assurance, I'll take a look. But how many times do you need to check? How do you look if you don't wipe? How do you look? How do I look? What are you talking about? You put your head between your legs. You you know that you're good to go. So you don't wipe. I, most of the time, I don't wipe. I don't need to wipe. Huh, hold my hand. Let's go on a trip. Let's travel to the Renaissance and the Enlightenment period. Okay. Oh, that's so exciting. Now, let my hand go. So, back during the Middle Ages, we got to go back. They started associating bad smell with death. And that's when people saw, like, this rise and fragrances. Mm -hmm. And um, those fragrances were made from fresh flowers and fresh herbs and like shit. Like lavender and such. Yes. They didn't associate it with no no, no, they, no they soap. Wasn't, they still wasn't washing themselves. No. Okay. And this period of time really is going to... It's going to place an emphasis on the fact that motherfuckers did not like taking a bath. Mm -hmm. So, back in the Renaissance... So they started to have a change of attitude, of hygiene and cleanliness, okay? And they started to use soap, 
They started using the soap, soap, soap and other personal hygiene to keep themselves clean. Because, you know, people evolve over time. People change. Most of the time, yeah. Yeah, and I like that. So, the development of soap and these other personal hygiene products during this time period was really a major breakthrough. Mm-hmm. And if God didn't do that, it wouldn't have got done. Okay? And the soaps themselves was made out of natural ingredients. Listen to this. Olive oil and animal fat. Mm-hmm. That's what was in it. They Then they started to clean their clothes and their body. Oh, you heard that? And they body. Okay. All right. Okay. So we're gonna we gonna focus to the point of, 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 of great esteem, wealth, and power. We're gonna focus to France. We're gonna go and we're gonna look at the Versailles Palace or the Palace of Versailles and how the rich and luxurious handle their hygiene. This is so oh my goodness. I'm so excited. My God. So, right now, we're going to be focusing on the reign of uh, King Louis XIV. Okay. King Louis, shout out. Shout Shout out out to the sun god. Yeah, that nigga, he was stanky. So, Versailles during this time period was the seat of power in France. And during the 14th and the 18th centuries, um, it was home to the royal court. Okay. It used to be a little log cabin owned by Louis' daddy, the 13th. Mm -hmm. But he decided to turn it into a palace. Okay. So, personal hygiene was not a top priority for these people who believed, they believed again that cleanliness was bad for their health. And in fact, Louis the Fourteenth, the sun god himself, only took two baths in his entire life. His entire life. And 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 was bragging about it. Oh, no. I, I swear to God, this was a bragging point for these niggas. That ain't sexy. No, it's sour. <laughs> That's what that is. It's sour. So... Now, despite this, hygiene was not completely ignored in Versailles, but the palace had this complex system of pipes and aqueducts that provided them running water to the palace. And um, there were also public baths in the city. They took baths together. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Because they are cousins. Like a community. That's real sweet. Um, They took baths in the city of Versailles, and they were both open to men and women. Oh, they're so nice. So, personal hygiene was seen more as a, like, private matter. And most people washed themselves in their own rooms using a little basin and a little pitcher. And soap was available, but it was not widely used. What they really liked it was them perfumes and them powders. They was real popular. They love smelling good. Yeah, you just spray that shit, and it's supposed to cover up the phone. Yeah. We want the phone, so don't, don't, don't. <laughs> Gotta add a phone. Yeah. Okay, so like it was it was really used to mask all that funk Mm -hmm. and stink and discussion and delusion, okay? One of the most interesting hygiene practices in Versailles was called the Chase Paris or the Pierce Chair. And this was a chair with a hole in the seat that was used as a toilet and the waste would fall into a chamber pot below, which was emptied by servants. And the Chase Paris was used by both men and women. It was often placed in the corner of the room for privacy. You just go do your business, go do your number over there in the corner. But that's not common because them motherfuckers really was just shitting in the corner, like not on the toilet, but they was just shitting and pissing. It wasn't, no, I'm talking about Minus the bucket. Oh, minus without like, the Like, they, they yeah. really did. They just went, went where they wanted to. No oh, toilet paper, no tissue, no washcloth, none. Um, no, we will not be talking about the Palace of Versailles because I just went on history.com and two words stopped me dead in my tracks. Human waste. How the heck are you going to be part of nobility acting like you're better than all the serfs and the peasants and you're going to be defecating on the floors of a palace? 
mean, you have servants are crying out loud. I mean, are they not changing the chamber pots on time? Are they on strike? This should not be happening. Then there's a part where Henry VIII takes his um, 700 plus members of his court on like a four month tour only to escape the stench and the stank of the palace. People seriously need to do better. They squatted and they 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 got the foot down and the servant had to come. So it really did stink. And you also have to remember too that Paris during this time period was the capital leather manufacturer of the world. So they were constantly making leather. And mm -hmm. do you know how leather is manicured? I don't, but I'm pretty sure it's tank. Yes, it's manicured in cow manure. Yeah. So. So like it it stunk it stunk <laughs> it stunk everywhere. You can't, especially if it's the city. You know, it's yeah. in it's in the air. But you know, they they had um they had some shit going on. They had the aqueducts. Now you gotta remember this mm -hmm. shit. So the palace did lack modern plum plumbing, but most of the toilets were located in small rooms without windows or ventilation. Mm. They hooked that shit up. It, it was fine. So the waste was often dumped in a palace um moat or in a nearby river which led to an unsanctuary condition and often created very foul odors mm. it was malodorous that's a big word for elmo malodorous malodorous that's a that's a nice word thank like you word. thank you so um despite the efforts to keep the palace clean including the use of perfumes they really was working with the perfumes now and these scented oils disease was like stupid common <laughs> amongst the um palace like duh and in <laughs> fact king louis the 14th suffered a variety of health problems throughout of his life and many of the historians believe that it was caused because of the unsanitary conditions of the fucking palace mm -hmm. so this motherfucking nigga louis how you gonna take me to court louis what address you gonna use louis what id you gonna use, Lewis? How you gonna pay for these court fees, Lewis? If you come get Leah right now, where she gonna go, Lewis? Who house she gonna be by, Lewis? Where's her room, Lewis? Who car are you going to come pick her up in, Lewis? What car seat you gonna have to put her in, Lewis? It's a lot of things I ain't never played with you about. It's a lot of things. You know I can air you duff. Out. It's a lot of things I never play with you about. But see how you got on social media because you're trying to show up in front of somebody? I will find you and smack the f out you. Uh, um, he suffered from recurrent fevers, digestive issues, and leg pains. That nigga had that bumble clot, okay? <laughs> Some historians, they believe that the health problems was because again the unsanitary condition of the palace and it often exposed him to like a variety of illnesses and infections for example the palace lack of modern plumbing could have led to the spread of waterborne diseases while the overcrowded and poorly ventilation living quarters could have caused the facility to be able to spread respiratory infections additionally the palace's moat and the nearby rivers were often used as dumping grounds for waste which could have contributed to the spread of diseases such as typhoid fever mm. uh-huh now i ain't i don't want to be just loud and wrong okay and it is difficult to say for certain what really caused the sun god's health problems it is clear that the conditions of the palace really was a major challenge to maintaining the good health and hygiene of the motherfucking place in addition to the unsanitary conditions and the lack of plumbing, the palace, again, was extremely overcrowded because, you know, incest. So, um. <laughs> right, right. Real, real, real. <laughs> so, yeah, um, they really tried their best. Um, they tried. They really tried to put their best foot forward. Not the right foot, though. But they failed. They're the best foot. But, you know, it take, change happens slowly. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't. Yeah, it happened slowly. So, you know, snaps for the for the Europeans. Good job.
Now, I don't know exactly what his hygiene game was at the time, but I do know that his ancestors were nasty. For starters, we have Queen Elizabeth I. She only bathed like once a month and spent the rest of her time using perfumes and powders to cover up her scent. Then we have her daddy, King Henry VIII, seen here overcompensating. Not only would he take baths once a month, but in his bath ingredients would include the musk of a civet. The same animal whose coffee bean poop is used to make expensive gourmet coffee because rich people are wild as F. Now consider Queen Isabella of Spain. Miss Izzy was out in the streets bragging that she only had two baths in her life, once at birth and once when she got married. Another twice in a lifetimer was King Louis XIV. Yeah, he had that drip, but that drip was rank. Now, it just would not be the Afrocentric podcast if we did not take this opportunity to look at the proper unsanitary conditions and hygiene issues from an Afrocentric lens. You know, so I really wanted to focus on the role of marginalized communities and how they played a, a large factor in educating European communities about hygiene and sanitation. As they should. Yeah, because niggas did. <laughs> so let's talk about the Moors, okay? The Moors were, in so many ways, responsible for teaching European people civilization and manners, as well as hygiene practices. So, for the niggas that don't know, the Moors were a group of Muslim people who lived in North Africa, i.e. them niggas was black. True. Okay? They lived in the Arabian Peninsula, which is now known as modern-day Spain and Portugal during the Middle Ages. Remember how I said that in the Middle Ages, they started incorporating soap? Mm -hmm. These it's, niggas it's taught them. Okay, come on. Right. So the term Moors was usually used to describe the Bieber and the Arab peoples who were who conquered the region in the seventh and eighth centuries and established a Muslim empire that lasted more than seven hundred years. So the Moors. Let me say this again. The Moors who were black people. Okay, they were known for their advanced knowledge of mathematics, astronomy, medicine, as well as their um what is it architecture. architecture and their artistic achievements. Like sidebar, because these group of people, the Arab community as a whole during the Middle Ages, they were far more advanced than European European people. <laughs> they that them niggas was doing astrology. They knew about zodiacs. Them niggas was observing the sky. Like they was really doing shit during this time period that the the motherfucking Europeans couldn't have even fathomed. And they, they perfect they purposely keep them out of the books. But these them niggas mm -hmm. and them, they them. They is them. They is them. <laughs> Do you understand me? <laughs> so the Moors were known for their advanced knowledge, like I said, and they played this huge ass role in the development of the Arabic language as well as the Islamic culture and they're significant in European history because of their influence on the culture and society um their rule over Spain and Portugal um, Portugal is often referred to as the golden age um during of Islamic Spain which is oftentimes referring to the flourishing of the arts, the science, and the literature. And the Moors were eventually expelled from this region during the late 15th century as the Christian kingdoms of Spain and Portugal gained strength and began to conquer and reconquer the territory. Mm. So the, the, the Moors was really known for the contributions of many aspects of the culture and society which within this Iberian Peninsula, and they highly influenced them on hygiene as well as um, sanitation to the point where it's extremely noteworthy. So during their rule of the region, the Moors introduced a number of innovations and practices to help um, improve public health and hygiene. The greatest example I could probably think of is the fact that they built an elaborate, an elaborate or fat-ass system System of aqueducts and canals in order to transport the water to the cities and to the towns which can be helped to prevent this spread of fucking waterborne illnesses and they also developed these sophisticated methods of wastewater management and it also included like the use of these underground sewers and public baths in addition to they use these infrastructures to improve it, and they place an emphasis on the importance. They said, "Hey, hey, 
y'all fuckers must it. <laughs> Let me show you how the gangsters do it. This, ain't, this is not it. <laughs> we, don't, we don't do it like this over here now. So what they did was is they introduced the use of soap and other types of hygiene products, and they said, "Get off this this olive oil, okay, okay." And it's they en- they encouraged them to bathe regularly. You can do it. <laughs> As you should. Yes, get your ass in the tub, stanky. Please. Okay, and then they required these, they was the original HOA. They required people to keep their homes clean and the streets clean and mandated that food vendors and other businesses maintain these high standards of sanitation. Right? So they just really important to the Europeans, honestly. They the underbelly. Okay, Blue Vet, let's have a conversation. Not only did Africans teach European hygiene, we taught them everything they know. Long before Greece came into existence, there were universities in Africa. Where do you think the Grecians got their knowledge from? They got their knowledge from Africans. And then they took that knowledge and taught it to the Romans. That's right. The Roman educational system was built on the Greek educational system, which was built on the African educational system. That's right. You wouldn't have that precious Latin you love so much if it weren't for African education. And as far as your hygiene is concerned, you can thank a slave by the name of Ziriab for that. He belonged to a free Ethiopian man. He's credited with teaching you proper bathing techniques. How to use toothpaste, deodorant, shaving. Not only that, he was a talented musician. Introduced you to the lyre, the harp, and many other instruments. He literally pulled you out of the dark ages and what'd you do with it? So, the next group of minorities that we really have to thank for for helping the Europeans to figure out the hygiene and the sanitation goes to my Native Americans, the true Americans. The original Americans. The real ones, you know what I'm saying? So... Let's just let's just get into it. So the Europeans, you know, they rolled up um on North America unannounced. <laughs> they did not call first. <laughs> no appointments. No. no schedules. So when they got there, because they didn't let nobody know that they was coming, they had came into contact with a lot of issues and challenges related to hygiene. Mm-hmm. And might I ask that during the triangular trade, them niggas brought chlamydia. They brought a lot of stuff. Yes, they did, but I feel like they never focus on the chlamydia no, part they don't. because they don't. They don't want us to, to know that one. They don't want us to remember that. One. Oh, that they got crabs. Yeah. Because oh. <laughs> that's nasty. <laughs> so the big issue really was the environment and the climate of North America and how it really presented this new and unfamiliar amount of health risk um, to these white colonizers and the red coats and often times they struggled to adapt to the conditions i.e they was musty so the native americans who lived in the region you know because they, they was, was their first yeah, they, was. They, <laughs> they was their first um they what they had already did they had already came up with a sophisticated system of hygiene and sanitation that were adapted and um, integrated into the local environment and the climate. And they had a very deep understanding of the medical properties of the local plants and herbs. Mm-hmm. And they had already developed some of the um, preventing, the some of the techniques to help prevent the spread of other diseases as well as a well-suited, that was extremely well-suited to the region, you know. Because they had been there for thousands of years, yeah, yeah, yeah. that makes sense, don't it? They they know they know what to do because they it's they it's they spot. So when the um the spicy whites they had pulled up, right? The Native American nice group of people, real mm-hmm. they real somber, like they had decided to share their knowledge with them. They was like, this here, this is meant. When you put this in the bar of soap, it's gonna make your booty hoes. <laughs> Clean. <laughs> <laughs> this is Epsom. You can get this a lot. Peroxide. Okay. So what they did was they shared their knowledge with the about the local plants um to the European settlers, and they was teaching them how to be able to identify the plants and use them for medicinal purposes. And 
a great example of this is how the settlers showed them how to use the bark of a willow tree in order to make tea that could be used to help them um, reduce a fever and a pain. My question is, is you wouldn't have to know this information if you had to stay where your ass was. No. Yes. And they also taught them um, how they could use the leaves of a sumac plant um, to make another tea to help treat diarrhea. Mm. Shitty booby. Mm-hmm. Shitty booty. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So, um, they also taught the European settlers how to build shelters. Ain't no way they came down there. They weren't prepared. They ain't have no 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 tools, no hammers, no knives, they no glue. I don't think they really didn't know what they were looking for, so Them, okay. they didn't know what to do. So they really had taught them how to make their home. They didn't know shit. They didn't they taught them how to do the long horns. They taught them um how to do the wig worms. Um they taught them all types of different structures that was well suited for the region's cold winters and the harsh summers. And they also taught them how to store their food. The proper and, way. Yes. And and how to store and clean their water in ways that minimalize contamination and how to use clay pots in order to store water. And, you know, it is recorded in real life that, like, when the European people rolled up on the Mesoamericans down there in South America, it is documented that when they first saw them, they burned incense because they were so stanky. And the white people was like, oh, my God, they think we gods. And they was like, they wrote it down. They was like, these motherfuckers stank and they mean to their kids. Record it. You not want to be around these folks. No. <laughs> oh my God, we're gods. <laughs> they love us. <laughs> no. <laughs> Every single time that I talk about historic hygiene practices in pre-colonization Americas versus historic hygiene practices in Europe, I always have somebody who wants to die on the but what about the Vikings hill? The other hill that everybody seems to want to die on is the but what about the Romans hill? So let's talk about it. Now, did the Norse people or Vikings have marginally better hygiene practices than the rest of Europe? They took pride in their appearance, combed their hair, etc. Yes, absolutely. Did Romans have bathhouses? Again, yes, absolutely. But those were more social places. There were a lot of oils involved and not very clean. And in general, did the people who were colonizing the Americas from England, France, and Spain have significantly poorer hygiene? than Native American people? Yes. It's often remarked that one of the first things Native people said when they encountered colonists was how badly they smelled and how badly they treated their children. Last but not least, I wanted to shout out all the enslaved and newly freed black women that helped, Was who was the last group of people that could really help, that tried to help and did help white people with their hygiene. Y'all gotta understand. Enslaved black women played one of the most critical roles in helping maintain hygiene and sanitation practices in south in the southern part of America and probably up there in the north too because black women were responsible for cleaning, maintaining the living quarters of the plantation owners as well as the enslaved quarters in which they lived in. So these enslaved black women were skilled in a vast range of cleaning techniques and they used a variety of natural materials to be able to sanitize and clean surfaces. For example, these niggas already knew to mix vinegar and lemon juice to clean the floors and walls and they used lye soap to wash clothing and bedding. Remember, the Europeans was just using olive oil and, and anim- animal fat. And just water. They weren't even doing that. They weren't using no water. That's what they were using to clean their body and their clothes. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. So the enslaved black women were also responsible for um, preparing the food for the plantation owners as well as the enslaved people. They were skilled in a strange range of cooking techniques. And um, it really... It really emphasizes on the fact that they use their knowledge for food safety in order to minimize these risks of contamination as well as foodborne illnesses, like the way that they use to preserve meat and fish, and they use vinegar and acidic ingredients in order to prevent spoilage 
Overall, enslaved black women played a crazy critical role in maintaining hygiene and sanitation in those plantations. Even though they were placed in these harsh conditions that critically limited the resources that they had to them, they still were able to develop this sophisticated technique in order to clean and sanitize these um, surfaces in order to prepare the food as well as to maintain hygiene. And they they played this crazy role when it comes to con um, contributing to public health and safety. And it's oftentimes always overlooked. And you also have to talk about the role that black women played when it took to the children. And this is really why I think that white people stink today. I'm so serious. I feel like black women were in, I noticed they was in these households for generations. They was. They was taking care of the children. All of them. They never paid attention to how they was cleaned and bathed and wiped down. Right. Uh-huh. And then now after they freed these enslaved people, they didn't know what the fuck to do. No, they just... They didn't know how to clean their own children. Um, no, they didn't even know how to clean their own ass. And they still don't. It's like they should have wrote the shit down and handed it to them. They didn't let black folks write. You, oh my God, so this day problem. It's always their fault. Damn. Why am I upset? <laughs> You can't blame it on us if they, they didn't let us, you know, write. They didn't let us rewrite. No paper, no pencils. If we did it, we was going to get in trouble. My God, did they? They stinking this day's fault. <laughs> Are washcloth people real? Are there actually people who take these tiny towels into the shower, put soap on them, and rub them all over their body? It, it all just seems a little gross to me, honestly. So, I really gotta come full circle and really tell y'all the truth as to why I named the, the title of this episode of uh, Freestyle 18 with Dog because these motherfuckers really do be stinking. And I am here to answer the question why do white people um, smell like white dog? But you gotta stick around to the end of the episode because I ain't got y'all. But I, I, was, I was put in a real bad position one day. I was stuck in between a rock and a hard place. Mm -hmm. It was it was raining, and I had walked from my car to school in the rain, and I, I had took a, 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 a what is an elevator ride on up to my class. It was on the third floor, and it was a boy. We didn't have a sign seat, but it was seats where we usually sat. Yeah. And I always sat in front of this big, big, stanky, slop-ass motherfucker. And, of course, he was of the Caucasian persuasion. As they usually are. He was given autistic game of boy. I like to scratch his ass and eat Cheetos and lick his fingers at the same time. That's, that's gross. Yeah, he like Mario Kart and mm -hmm. shit. And, and Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> and shit. Anything that involved dice. <laughs> Anything Yahtzee. That's what that nigga looked like. And he always was thinking. And mind you, this was the period after COVID. And I had just took my mask off. And my nose was so sensitive to smell. So it was already a lot. This is the rock, okay? It was already a lot to be sitting in front of him. Because the air, it blow forward. So it would just send all that stink my way. And it pushed forward. And you know, that's a lot. But that's that's not too much for me. God wouldn't put more on me than I could handle. No, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. Or at least I thought. Because that goddamn thing, another white boy came. And he, he sat in the seat in front of me. Now, usually he sit two rows over not that day. He wanted to sit in front of you. I had never seen this Joker up close, and he had his own original stain. He was given I ain't shit shaved or bathed in like six days. <laughs> I felt like I was looking at life, and I couldn't focus. You know how the teachers say you can't 
expect a hungry child to be able to focus. Do you understand what I was going through? Yeah. I was going through sister overload. And I'm pretty sure, looking back on it, I may have had a panic attack. Did I mention it was already raining? And it was already, it was only three of us of, 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 of melanated complex. So it was just a full room full of white people smelling like wet pennies. And it was just sour. And I don't know how, I don't think I'm ever going to be the same ever again. It can't be. I think I, I really wanted a hug in that moment. It was a bad day. And, you know, I wanted to go home. And this this episode is dedicated to y'all. <laughs> to the motherfuckers that did not know that you should always, you should never shower your ass and wash your hair with the same bar of soap or body wash or shampoo. White people believe in 18 to 1. They, they do. I, some people, some men do. A lot of men do, but I don't really, you know, I can't, I can't get behind that. You ever ask the white man, white people will wash their beard with a bar of soap. That's why I'd be so dry and flaky. Yeah, well, we about to talk about it. <laughs> Outside. Outside. That's what they be smelling like. Outdoors. Like a doggone roll of pennies. It's about to rain now, and I smell pennies now. Now, I want to talk about the modern era, like right now, because with the innovation of TikTok, it has definitely broke the third, the fourth wall. Yes, it has. And when I say that, I'm trying to say that we now have, I don't know if it's a privilege or a curse, but the opportunity to see how the other side lives within the private sector. They're really showing their ass now. And they also telling us that they don't wash their ass. Yeah. Boldly. <laughs> proclaiming. They don't care. And don't and don't want to change. You shower. Mm-hmm. What's the first thing you wash? Okay, I, I definitely go hair first. Hair first? Hair first. Do you wash your hair every time? Well, I only take like one shower every six days, so. So you start with hair? Start with hair. And yeah. then? Uh, then I'll normally do conditioner and then face wash. <laughs> then I get out. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> She's in there just. my brain had took me my brain really wondered why the why the modern beauty industry is so set on prioritizing white people mm-hmm. when they have told us time and time again that they don't use none of the products that they making for them no they don't that damn soap and shit that is specifically for mm-hmm. them cracker women they not washing the back of their neck and the inside of their belly button with that no them 10,000 micro cloth towels and the shabams and all that shit, they not washing the inside of their ear and the bottom. They damn sure ain't washing their legs. They not, they don't do that. Not all of them. They wouldn't talk. We telling them now. Well, I'm saying, you know, our folks, our parents, you know, they told us wash behind your ears and well, make sure you wash your body. But they, their parents, they wasn't doing that. Aaron, they coming on the internet monthly asking for help. Because they know they wasn't doing wrong. Why people be on the internet asking and begging for somebody to teach them how to get up in the tub and get <laughs> right? Okay. Oh, just, So, in the modern era, there is a rise of deodorants and antiperspirants. Okay? So, in the early 20th centuries, the deodorants and such was invented. You know, your, your, my grandma was is still using Tussie to this day. Mm-hmm. 
You know what Tuss is. So Tussin is a jar of deodorant. And you stick your fingers in it and you swirl it around like you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then you put it up under your armpits like so like that. And you, yeah, and it, it kept you right. Mm-hmm. Your grandma was grandmama was never monkey, stonky, funky. She ain't like she ain't played that. No, play she that. was never sour. So these products was created to prevent sweating and musk of the body odor but the impact of the advertisement of the perspective of the body odor the advertisers really played a major role in shaping our perception of body odor so the beauties industry really focuses on european beauty standards and we know this the beauty industry has been long criticized for promoting eurocentric body standards which also favors light skin tone straight hair and other features that are commonly associated with european Europeans and such. So the lack of representation in the beauty industry, despite the beauty industry's focus on European standards, many people of European descent uh, who are not of European descent do not see themselves represented within the industry. And this is also true for people who are disabled, people who are dark skinned, um, other features that are not typically associated with European beauty standards. And we see this still to this day. It's when everywhere. It, makeup. Mm-hmm. Like, even really for, like, men's care and shit. Like, white men, even just for beards by themselves, I feel like, or hair products, I feel like there's more white male hair products than it is for niggas. Yeah, well, because, like, most of the hair products we would probably use is probably the, the same hair products y'all would use. Mm-mm. They got an 18 and 1 for them. Yeah, I know. But we're go not to town. We're finna use it. Axe Body Wash. Mm-mm. That's for them. Mm-mm. What, Old Spice? That's for them. Nigga used to spray the whole locker room with some X. Yeah. That's that. Get that. Get that, get that get that musk off you. No, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna cover it up with some with some stuff. That's that fuck me suck me. No, no, no. And <laughs> <laughs> that what that is. Yeah, that that fuck me suck me. So we are starting to see the rise of inclusivity um, in these beauty brands and stuff. But the truth of the matter is, is the black community, especially in America, is the reason why these communities. Have these companies and stuff have the money to be able to make their products? White mm-hmm. people is not buying this shit. No, they're not. No, I told you they buying eighteen to one, mm-hmm. twenty two and one. You know what I don't like? You know what I don't like? I don't like that bitch curology because it reminds me of that bitch proactive. And you know what also I don't like? I don't like the fact that white people have been dominating the fucking skincare industry since. Yeah, and like. White people just historically keep saying, oh, I don't wash my hands. I don't wash my face. I don't wash my ass for about two weeks until I start smelling it. I don't wash my ass until I sit down and stand up and realize, oh, my God, my fucking ass reeks. And yet, white people keep trying to sell you on what you need for your skin. Crazy. 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 I, I, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. And nobody questions this shit. Nobody goes, what's going on here? And like, am, am I the only one that really goes, what the fuck is going on here? So now the answer to the question that you all have been waiting for, Morgan. Why do white people smell like wet dog? Okay, so, um, uh, allegedly, um... <coughs> <laughs> I got I got two reasons for y'all, okay? So the first one is sebum, okay? Sebum is S-E-B-U-M, sebum. Now, sebum is this oily substance that is produced in the sebaceous glands. And when it's mixed with fat molecules like lipids, it forms a protective coating over the skin surface. And these lipids... Um, help hydrate the skin and it protects it from potentially harming pathogens like bacteria and fungi so while sebum moisturizes your hair and it keeps it soft and silky oftentimes excess amounts of it can um give you an oily scalp Mm -hmm. now look my black hair is created to hold oil it is 
they it ain't. It's not. It is not. And that is what produces that scent. The sebum. It's the sebum. Now, listen, too much sebum in your scalp can lead to conditions like dandruff or scalp acne, which may eventually lead to hair loss. Now, I ain't going to sit up here and lie to y'all niggas. Everybody, now, African-Americans are more prone to growing sebum on their scalp. But again, your scalp's supposed to have oil in it. And we wash our hair more often. Oh, no, I ain't even going to sit up here and lie. We don't wash our hair more often, but our hair don't require it. Okay? And it also, we smell like our hair products. We make sure our hair is moisturized and oiled up. Okay? They have to wash that shit out their scalp every day or it just get nasty, stinky, filthy. It just gloopy. Just, just you, you know when they ain't. I wish we had some like some dry shampoo. Like you think I can put some dry shampoo in my shit and it'll um be fresh? No, I think it it might change color honestly. Yeah, it'll just turn white. Probably. Ah, but they looking. (laughs) But that's that's one of the reasons why they smell like this white, this wet dog, the wet pennies. A fart under a rainbow is that sebum. Now we don't smell like mayo, we smell like wet dogs. I remember the first time I heard someone say that white people smell like wet dogs. And now that I know, I can't unsmell it. So I looked into it and there's a reason for it. It's called sebum. It's an oil that's produced in your hair follicles that gets into your hair. And it's the same kind of oil that dogs produce in their hair. All humans have it, but we produce it at different rates. And our hair being different, it kind of mixes in there differently. Shampoo can wash that oil out, but when it's completely gone, then your body goes into overdrive and produces a ton of it and can actually make your hair oilier and make you smell more like a wet dog. It took me a while to find a good balance of how much to wash my hair and what to wash it with to try to keep some of the natural oils without getting rid of them entirely, but also not looking like a greasy swamp monster and smelling like a wet dog. But I still avoid being around people when my hair is wet, just in case. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So part two of why white people smell like a wet dog. Um, it is called the ABCC11 gene. Okay. Now the ABCC11 gene is a gene that creates a protein called ATP binding cassette transporter C11. Now this protein, it plays a role in the production of sweat, tears, as well as other bodily fluidly. Fluids. <laughs> Specifically, the ABCC11 gene is associated with the production of a type of sweat that does not contain a certain type of fatty acid. And this type of sweat is less likely to produce body odor than other types of sweat. Now, if you of different races, the amount of the ABCC11 gene, it differs, okay? Mm-hmm. All right. Um like Asian American, not Asian Americans. Like I want to say it's Korean people, but it's, it's in my notes. When I get to it, I see. It, but there's a it's East Asians. Them motherfuckers don't have no body smell whatsoever at all because they don't. They have low proportions of this A B C C eleven gene. Mm-hmm. But those who are of um, African descent and European descent got a lot. Uh-huh. And that's why they smell like wet pennies. <laughs> so, like I said, it's found in all races and ethnicities, but some studies have definitely suggested that certain populations are way more likely to have different variants of the of the um gene. So, like I said, Africans and Europeans are likely to have it, and it's important to know that these um, studies are based in studies of relatively small populations of people. And there is more research in order to understand it. But, I mean, hell, you know more than you did before you started the damn podcast. I mean, other than the fact that they really just generationally nasty, those are two reasons as to why they be funky sometimes. So, scientifically. Yeah, scientifically stinking. Um. <laughs> So we gonna. I don't know if we're going to give them a pass, but that's an explanation. No, Maybe an excuse. I wouldn't give them a pass. Oh, that's real. I'm not. I'm on their ass <laughs> <laughs> from a distance. What is one thing you can tell a white person that'll make them glitch? That there is actually scientific evidence that those of white European descent should be bathing more than other ethnicities. White people, 
especially white males, have a variation of the ABCC11 gene that causes us to produce a more pungent body odor. So stop making excuses. Go wash your ass. Damn, some of y'all walking around smelling like a two-day-old Whataburger bag. Shout out to the slaves. Yeah, shout out to the slaves. You feel me? Shout out to Harriet Tubman. That shout was out to the real niggas. Shout out to the real niggas. And shout out again to all those people who hate my guts. Y'all are doing a justice and an effort to the world. Keep breaking these men down one at a time. You are obsessed and sick. And we are back with a big black shout out. The blackest shout out in the world for those who do not know the big black shout out is an opportunity to help circulate the black dollar back into our communities and for audience members to explore black owned hidden gems so aaron who would you like to shout out i would like to shout out the brothers of alpha phi alpha fraternity incorporated uh chapter zeta phi you know that we all do a couple different things everybody doing their own thing you know getting them getting the money back in the system that's so beautiful. Uh, shout out to them. Shout out to them. Y'all are some amazing young men. 06. Amen. Yes, I know Martin is just smiling down at y'all. As he should. Amen. Well, if you is black and you have a black-owned business or somebody you want to shout out, make sure you are reaching out to me at the Afrocentric Podcast. That's Afrocentric Podcast at gmail.com. Please forgive me for any sins in which I committed those. I know I meant those I don't know, Lord. Lord, please forgive me for beating this bitch ass today, Lord. Lord, please forgive me for thinking about beating her ass again, Lord. Please rebuke all these demons that's in this house, Lord. I pray. Is that really you, necessary? Welcome back to the new living life of charity and worship, Afrocentric Church of Zion. Yes. For those who don't know, and now you do know, if you was lost, Jesus have found you. The altar call is the final segment, and we just here to let our people know that we are yet praying and fasting and hoping for everybody who is black. And this is an opportunity for the listeners to get their prayer on. Now, today, I just wanted to say, God bless America and no place else. God bless America and no place else. Alderman Gilliam, same question. God, God, if you could hear us, uh, the Americans of America, in the United States and such. And such. Uh, God, please uh, bless all the food stamp recipients, Lord. They said they might cut off the food stamps. And God, if you could turn two fishes and five loaves of bread into a meal for the multitude, Lord, you can make this snap stretch. The EBT Father stands for Eat Better Today and Tomorrow, Lord. And we not fasting. Ramadan has ended, and we just want to eat for the rest of the, the the summer, Lord. We hungry and we thirsting for you, Lord. So save the food stamps for all of the niggas of America. Um, God, um, they shooting down here. Um, they shoot real bad, God. Um, and inflation is high, Jesus. Um, we need you to come down here and save us. We don't mind waiting, but uh, you know, take your time, but hurry up. We swimming in debt, Jesus. We drowning in it, and you know, we just here once again, your humble servants. And we we asking for deliverance and release. Um, yeah. Yeah, pray for the little black babies too. Yeah, you know they shoot black babies. They shot a black baby pray. in the leg, Jesus. God, they put a nail through your feet. I hope you can understand. Come down here and save America. 
Everybody coming to America. Yeah, God bless America. Everybody won't come to America. Yeah, I live in America. God bless America. I stand for America. Everybody coming to America. Everybody coming to America. I'm about to go postal in this motherfucker You know who you fucking with, motherfucker I am the fucking shit, motherfucker This I can get jiggy with, motherfucker Aaron, I want to thank you so much for coming To the Afrocentric Podcast Thank you for having me I, Long time listener, first time Uh, guest <laughs> You are never a guest You was always welcome here At the Afrocentric Podcast Thank you for helping me To find the strength to to give God's word to God's people. Of course, of course. Yes, because we just wanted to know who let the dogs out. We did. Who? 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 The dogs. Who point, point them out? They point them at, at themselves. Yo, I hope they put their arms down because they listen. <laughs> um, white people, this was not an episode to teach y'all how to take a bath. That's not my problem. But y'all should. Yes, we just wanted to point out that y'all need to take more baths. Um, Y'all have been failed by generations of uh, Caucasians that did not like getting in the tub. They didn't care. And did not like to wash their legs. And we want y'all to be the change that you want to see. Y'all need to be the change. Yes. Be the way, the truth, and the light. And do not be light on the amount of soap that you use. Um, it is okay to use a small towel. I know black people that get into the bathtub with two or three. <laughs> do not spare, spend, spare no amount on facial wash, shampoos. You could never be too clean. Make sure you get them suds. Yes, or remember what you said. Cleanliness is next to godliness. It sure is. Yes, it is. So I just want to thank y'all again for choosing to be Afrocentric today. If you a bad bitch and you know a busted white person, send them this episode as a little favor. Teehee. <laughs> um, just remember that black lives matter. Remember to listen and to protect black women. And the only thing you must do in this lifetime is be black and die. And here at the Afrocentric Podcast, we we just civilized people. Having a civilized conversation. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm not gonna do it well you're just uh, you're just anti i'm not leg black washes. i'm not gonna fucking wash my legs and feet you think that's just a black people thing clearly well and he's the only one here who took the day off <laughs> washes his legs and feet no I, I don't think it's a black thing i think using a washcloth is for poor people but yeah. i don't think that washing your legs and feet is for black people i agree i think the washcloth is a poor person um thing because I, I, I've only met poor's who use them. 